Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The Bible reading is from 1 John chapter 1, God's light and our darkness. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for the privilege of being able to freely gather in your presence to hear what you've got to say that changes us, gives us life, gives us hope, shows us our sure future in you, whatever is happening in the present. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, active, present, searching, seeking, speak now that we may have life and life to the full. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, 1 John, chapter 1, still there, and a bit of chapter 2. My dad (coughs) spent ages uh, fixing up a rather well-worn, but still going, little black 1966 Morris Minor. Don't know whether you know those little bubble cars before the Volkswagen or after the Volkswagen. Anyway, because he did this because uh, for us three kids, my two older sisters and I, we lived way out the bush in WA. We had to drive, I think it was eight miles, uh, to the bus pickup point every school morning. So he bought the car so he didn't have to drive us every day. So uh, my oldest sister never drove. Uh, my next oldest sister usually drove, and she was all of 14. And occasionally I drove, and I was eight. Uh, <laughs> Lucky it wasn't on the highway. It was on the railway line, you know, uh, one of those siding roads to the bus pickup point. Anyway, we would drive that little car pretty hard, inexperienced as we were. And when we damaged it, as we often did, Dad would just fix it up time and time again. And I guess it was his way uh, of showing that he cared for us in a way, because he did. Anyway, one day, I was by myself, I think, coming back from the rubbish tip, which is about two miles along that same track, towards, back towards home, 
in the bush and uh, couldn't really help it. It had just rained and it was a bit soggy and a bit slippery. So I thought oh, I'd, I had to do some snakies. And I don't know if you know what snakies are, but it's when you roll the wheel from side to side and you leave a nice little wiggly snaky pattern on the dirt and you're very proud of yourself and you look back and you think, yeah, that was me. Anyway, I was all going very well, having a time in my life, until, and this was a major flaw in the Morris Minor, the steering wheel pulled out of the floor. So, I, so I, I'm hanging on to the steering wheel, and I look up, and of course, I know what's going to happen. I'm heading straight for the scrub, and I'm going at some speed, because, you know, you have to get a bit of speed up to these snakies. And anyway, uh, no steering, hit the brakes, and they were useless, because, you know, they just weren't too good. And I ended up bumping over a few trees into the bush and I ended up jammed, the right front wheel was jammed un under a snapped off Mallee trunk. Hmm. So I, I, uh, I knew I was in deep trouble straight away and I immediately felt guilty and also fearful. And after several attempts to get the car off the log, which I couldn't, I had a choice to make, and you can know the choice. Same choice we all have to make when we get it wrong and when we do the wrong thing against people and therefore against our Lord. Cover it up or confess. There's only two choices. Cover it up or confess and ask for forgiveness. Well, I took a bet both ways as an eight-year-old. With great fear and trembling, I trudged back the two miles home and I told Dad. But I told him I'd had an accident. <laughs> now, I knew I had sinned and the sin wasn't about the car. The sin was about Dad. I'd thrown his care back in his face. I'd broken trust. That was the sin. And when you think about it, that's what sin always is. It's not about the thing technical and theoretical. It's about breaking trust with someone who loves you. That's the kicker of sin. That's why it hurts you and them and why it destroys relationships if left unchecked because it's about people. It's about relationship and trust. So I knew this and I was feeling all this Sin is always throwing God's care back in his face, not doing something theoretical or technical, but something destructive. The Apostle John, he now speaks to this issue that we all face. How do the beloved, beloved people of God deal with the ever-present problem of sin in our lives, that breaking of trust with God that we are more than capable of any day of the week. Throwing God's love back in his face. How do we deal with this as God's people? And he has said in those opening words that we thought about last week, we are so privileged to share the love and the care of the God of the universe. He says, we declare to you what was from the beginning. This life was revealed and we have seen it and testify to it and declare it to you, the eternal life, God's life, that was with the Father and was revealed to us, so that you also may have fellowship 
with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and the Son. Beautiful words. We baptise people in Christ, share this deep fellowship, Father, Son and Spirit, in all of his holiness and peace and joy and love and hope. We not only know about God, we know God and we are known by God. We are close. Good place to be. But what if, like me, with my dad, we betray this magnificent gift of God's care and love for us? What if we turn our backs on this close and loving fellowship with God? What if we betray our Heavenly Father's care, just being careless or distracted or just silly or just plain nasty? Well, in case we choose to minimise or downplay or hide or deny what sin really is, a breaking of trust, a destructive thing, John has very pointed words, as you heard. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are choosing to walk, keep going, in darkness, well, then we lie and we don't know what is true. If we say that we have no sin, well, we just deceive ourselves and the truth, obviously, isn't in us. In other words, I think he's saying there's nowhere to hide and there's no way we can pretend when it comes to living in fellowship, close fellowship, with our God. Pretending and tricking ourselves or others only makes things worse. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is obviously not in us. So John is saying in pretty strong terms that as we deny or ignore or pretend, blame everybody else, that this heart of ours is not still wayward and able to produce many wrongs and break trust many times. At the same time then we declare that God's huge effort at great cost in entering this darkness and our pretending and our self-deception is all a hoax. It's all made up. It's not real. Of course, most of your friends probably would agree with that in Australia at the moment. But as we heard in that first beautiful word, you know, that we just reflected on before, God has a good future and God's future works because God worked it. John says it in a shorthand way, I suppose. In him is light. In other words, it is in God we have purity and hope and holiness and truth and love and all those things we long for in him only. And from what we, they saw and what they heard and what they touched in this Jesus of Nazareth, the teacher from the north, the rabbi from Galilee, suffering, dying, bleeding and rising, God, uh, John just knows. He really does know, biblical knowing, God loves. He loves. Full stop. He loves. So I think John is saying that God is a bit like my dad that day. Dad came down to the scene of the accident and I'm sure within a nanosecond he could see that it was a scene of a crime committed by me 
What did he do? Didn't say a word. He didn't have to. And he fixed up that little 1966 Black Morris one more time. This is the way he showed unwavering love for one of his kids. So John says the same thing, but it's not a bush mechanic out in the garage that fixes us. It's a man on a cross, bleeding, dying. That's where he points us to. The blood of Jesus, his son, is the thing that washes away, cleanses, makes new. Wonderful. Luther puts it well. I was working with the ladies uh, on Wednesday and I discovered another sermon in this some other time, but um, the Black Death came to Wittenberg and Luther turned to First John as the Black Death took the town by the throat and him and Katie stayed. Anyway, another sermon. But he says this about this part of First John. The blood of Christ was not shed for the devil or angels. It was shed for sinners. Accordingly, when I feel sin, when I feel it, why should I despair? And why should I not believe that it has been forgiven already? For the blood of Christ washes sin away, just like a good rain. Nothing should give us more concern than the resolve to remain in that light. That's our highest priority any day of the week. Because of that blood and that cost, high cost, already paid by God, not me, John says we can now get very clear. We can face our past and we can do that all the time. Because, as you heard, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will, not might, not maybe, not if you do a few things, will forgive us and cleanse us. So friends, our life is owning our wrongs, isn't it? And admitting our wayward ways before a holy God. It's the only way to receive fellowship, cleansing, relationship, love, peace, hopefulness in all of your relationships and within yourself. That's the light. That's what John is calling the light, I think. So we walk in the light deliberately, slowly, steadily. We don't run. We don't freeze. We walk patiently in this light. We don't need to freeze in paralysis. We don't need to run away. And we don't need to fight back. We just walk by owning up, facing the wrongs, speaking them to people and to the Lord and hearing hopefully their word of forgiveness, which isn't always guaranteed, I know, but certainly his word of forgiveness is always guaranteed. How are you going with that? How are you going with that? When's the last time you spoke your wrongs to the person who needed to hear that? When's the last time you trusted God's good intentions for you enough to own up, to speak it to someone, to him? When's the last time you took the blame 
that's rightfully yours and let it go and let him have it in a good sense, as in let him have your blame. Let him have that and deal with that. When's the last time you owned your contribution to the issue and found freedom with his forgiveness? John has his heart for you on his sleeve. My little children. What a wonderful way to call each other. My little children. Not patronising. Close. Close. My dear children, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do, you know where to go. It's all in that name, isn't it? My little children. We're very close to God, aren't we? We're related. We're family. We're adopted into his family in our baptism, of course. We're kept in his family by his life and his forgiveness all the time, especially here. So you are loved this morning, whether you feel it or not. And you are, on the other hand, called to love, whether you want to or not. Good news. Your sin does not destroy your sonship, but it certainly can disrupt your fellowship. I know it's a very delicate balance, isn't it, to live this Christian life. On the one hand, we trust God that we are indeed loved by him, in all that we know of Jesus and who he is. He's made full atonement for everything. And yet on the other hand, we know that we are called to love. And we know that's hard. We do. We are forgiven and called. We live in his grace and truth. We are loved to love. And John makes it very clear that this love of God and this calling to love other people is for all people. Now the people around him probably thought at first when he said this and he Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins as Jewish people they would have thought oh good, that's great, great for us Jewish people, we're back on track. Then John goes on and not only for us, not ours only but also for the sins of the whole world the great unwashed the hoi polloi the nations so being a Christian person and loving other people is tricky because we're all different, especially you. You know, we're all different. It's not easy. But it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be a diverse community learning to love each other. But still, our future remains. God's future is still working despite the many things that seem to say, oh, there's no future for the church Oh, there's no true forgiveness and love left in the world. There's no hope of anything different in the world or in my life. Well, John would say, no, 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 no. Everything is possible because he's seen the future and it works because God has worked it for you and with you. And when he says he forgives, he forgives as far as the east is from the west. So it's always there for you, already there for you all the time. So he is our light this morning. He is our light this morning. So when the accident is actually a crime, and you know it, and he knows it, he loves. He forgives. He restores you. And when you deceive yourself, sometimes we can't help it, and sometimes we can. When you deceive yourself, 
or you try to deceive other people or even God, God sees you fully and he speaks his truth in love to you because he wants to, as John beautifully says, dwell, abide with you. He wants to be with you. And he includes you in his decisions when you exclude him from yours. And he stands with you when you desert him and break trust. And he represents you, advocates for you, when you try to stand alone and do it your way. So, friends, the light, this light is our joy. It's for sinners only, mind you. It's for sinners only. It's personal. It's not theory. And it's now, not tomorrow. Come to the altar. Come to the banquet we'll hear next week. There's a place for you. In the accidents and in the crimes, in the trickery and in the pride, walk in the light with this Jesus and do it together with all the other people around you this morning. This is our life. Nothing should give us more concern than the resolve to remain in this light. In the name of Christ, amen. And the peace and the light of the forgiveness of our God assure you today, sustain you in everything that's going on. In the name of Christ, amen. For listening, Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au